So uh, Ron Matthews asked me, hey, what are, what are you teaching on today, Johnny? And when I was just a young Christian, I've been a Christian for about 18, 19 years now. And when I was just a young Christian, I remember hearing a pastor, probably the first couple of years I was a Christian, I, I remember hearing a pastor talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, I mean, I, I remember as a young man praying, God, fill us with your spirit. And and the concept to me of being filled with the Holy Spirit has always been something that I've, I've believed is really important part of being a Christian. And, and not just in terms of the moment that you become a Christian, but um, throughout our Christian life. And so I've got a little metaphor here for you. And this is how I think about it. And I'm sure someone has probably formed this metaphor in my mind. And so, um, so let me get, get over to this now. So we have an empty two-liter bottle, okay? You are an empty two-liter bottle, okay? And, you know, there's a, there's a famous philosopher who said that, and it's kind of, you know, I, think, I don't think he even said it in English. It was 500 years ago or something. But he said that we all have a God-shaped vacuum inside of us. And I remember when I was a little kid, I don't know if I heard that, but I remember when I first heard the word vacuum, I thought of like a vacuum cleaner, you know? I was like, there's like a vacuum cleaner shape right here. No, it's a God-shaped vacuum. Oh, but it, it va- it's a vacuum cleaner shaped like God? So in case you don't know, a vacuum is a space where there is nothing. Okay? And so you, here you are, and you are a vessel. And in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, this, this metaphor definitely originates to some degree in the scriptures. And, and Paul here is speaking to the Corinthian church, and he's talking about the gospel, and that the, these, this church, kind of like as Christians, we, we carry the gospel. And, and, but then Paul says something beautiful here. He says, we have this treasure, the gospel, in earthen vessels. And so Paul is calling us pots, okay? So back in the day, there were no two-liter bottles. It's amazing to think about what kids, you know, like my kids, I have a six-year-old and a 15-year-old, you know, like think of the things that they never grew up with. Like I, I saw this quote the other day people flew for the first time any guesses what year that was first aircraft you would think it was like in the 1700s 1902 or something like that okay it was pretty recently and then it was a picture actually it was a picture of the wright brothers and then it was picture of the moon you know what year the moon happened 69 66 i can't remember what it was it, but it was six. It must have been 1903 and 1969. It was 66 years from human beings flying that cruddy little airplane that went 10 miles an hour or whatever it was with the Wright brothers to landing on the moon. 66 years. We live in a very different time in human history than just about anybody else has ever lived. Plastic. What a novelty this is, you know? And yet it's kind of terrible for the planet. Never, de- never decomposes. Just... Ends it up in the ocean in big rafts or something. Um, and so, anyway, you know, we don't have clay pot. What's a, what's a vessel? What's an earthen vessel? It's a clay pot, okay? Clay is made of dirt, okay? So you are not a clay pot. You're, this is 2021. You're a plastic two-liter bottle, okay? <laughs> and you, like a plastic two-liter bottle, you will never decompose, okay? You exist forever, Okay? And that's important, but that's a whole other tangent. So you're the, you're the two-liter, okay? Water. 
What do you think the water is? I kind of told you what I was teaching on today. What am I teaching on? Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so, I, I like this metaphor. What about the tables? What are the tables? They're just, they're just, Johnny's not good at aesthetics. Okay? More about function. Okay? So I sat down where, where uh, Isaac is, and I thought, are they gonna be, if I put it on this one, are they going to be able to see it? So we'll go with double. Everybody's going to see it, okay, even in the back, okay? So the table's no, no purpose. What about the tray? To catch the, this is just functional again, okay? So metaphors always break down at some point. Metaphors are not like, they're, they're sort of like, hey, it's kind of like lying, you know? It's like, hey, you're a, no, I'm not a two-liter bottle, Johnny, yeah, but we can pretend you're a two-liter bottle, okay? And we can pretend, and Jesus and, the, and the, the disciples very much, when they taught, talked about the Holy Spirit as water, okay? As an outpouring of water. And um, let me see, another, we're going to skip Romans 9, 21. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go there yet. Okay, it's too far. Well, let's, let's bring up John seven thirty seven. So just to, just to make this case, I made the case that you're a, you're a two-liter. Here we go. Uh, not, not 17, 737. Sorry, Heidi. I'm just going to stand here awkwardly while we wait. Maybe I'll open up my own Bible and read it to you in case it's not in there. Okay, uh, John 737. So this is, this is a really profound statement that connects the Holy Spirit to water. Me and Heidi are racing right now to see who can get it first. Okay. Um, here we go. This is Jesus speaking. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. There it is. Nope. Rivers of living water. And so Jesus spoke about this same idea that like people, and this is all people, all people have this kind of this void in them. Like I need something and people fill it. And so I think some of us, you know, and I think some of it God created, like we look for a spouse, spouse and God kind of created us to want that. Definitely enjoy cheeseburgers, have to go find those sometimes to fill the void. But there's like a, a deeper spiritual void inside of us that is longing for God to pour himself into us. There's another philosopher that, that said, um, we're restless until we rest in him. And so, so here is, I looked for a funnel today in the kitchen, guys. I couldn't find one, so we're going to get... Okay, so here is God turning you into a Christian. The Bible says that when a person believes in God, that they are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to start. It's an overflowing. It's, sometimes it's a messy experience. There might be some crying. Okay? And so we're being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now as soon as I do this, you're going to notice something else about my metaphor that's coming. Okay? Oh, that's not. Let's put that right there. Okay. So, so God is filling you with the Holy Spirit as a Christian. And I don't know if he fills you all the way to the brim the day you become a Christian. But you notice there's this other problem you have. Have you ever noticed that problem about yourself? And so that's actually what I want to spend most of the day talking about. 
We're really leaky. Okay, Christians, you're really leaky. Man, that's disappointing. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on. It's like, yeah, you look, look how much Holy Spirit you have right now. That's great. You're, you're a Christian. You're full of the Holy Spirit, right? But this is the state of your Christian existence. Christi- it's, yeah, no, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. There's a pad. It'll soak up the water. This is what it is to be a Christian, okay? This is, this is how my mind thinks about it. I don't know if yours does. We leak. So we get filled with God's Spirit, but then we leak. And so, um, you know, I looked for some verses, like, how could I make this point with Scripture? You know, you look at what every single thing that Paul writes to the churches, and it's constantly, hey, guys, remember how you're like Christians now? Stop sinning. You know, the, the book of 1 Corinthians, like, really major sins. Like, hey, you've got a guy who's a Christian in your church, and he's sleeping with his father's, uh, with his stepmother, with his father's wife. You know, you, you read the book to Galatians, and, oh, they're going back again to try to be holy by becoming circumcised. You know, you look at the Hebrews, even more of that becoming Jewish again to be holy. And, and, and you know, throughout all the epistles, there's... When I was a brand new Christian, I used to love to read those lists. These are the things you shouldn't do. These are the things you should do. Like, I'm just, I'm, I like that. Very black and white, straightforward, right? And so there's a reason that the apostles are trying to, everybody's just like, it's, it's going to go. I got another three millimeters at least. I think we're good. Um, there's a reason that the apostles in every epistle are constantly telling Christians, Casey saves the day. Okay, except for now you're going to have to walk out of here with that other one. Yeah, go for it, Casey. Go for it. Don't do it. It's not worth it. It's not going to happen. There you go. Yeah, no. No. Well, now what do I do? Okay, I'll do it, Casey. I'm a messy person. I'll do it. I can embrace the mess. Life is messy. Okay, it's going to happen, guys. It's just going right on the floor. Oh, there's an idea. Okay. All right. Back to the metaphor. Back to the metaphor. Okay. See, now you can't see your leaks as good. I don't know. Okay. So, so the, the apostles, they write these letters to churches constantly telling them, hey, remember you're a Christian now. Don't act like that anymore. And so... Um, I don't know about you guys, but I find myself as a Christian frustrated by this problem. Like, why is it this way? Why am I not just staying at the top the whole time? Why, why can't I just be up here and never have these problems? And, you know, the truth is, like, I don't know exactly why, but that is how it is. Okay? So this is what it is to be a Christian. You leak. You don't become a Christian and become this perfect vessel full of the Holy Spirit at all times that never has any problems. And so um, we see in ourselves what Paul also called the old man. You know, we have the new man, but then the old man is trying to come back in and do things the way he used to. And so um, how do we deal with this leaky problem that we have as Christians? And so this is where we get to Ephesians 5.28, which is the main thing I'm, I'm wanting to speak about today which is not husbands love your wives. This is a message from God straight to me, I think. 
but maybe it's five. I'm just going to, sorry guys, let's go to Ephesians 5. Might be right before that. I wrote down the, the footnotes for Heidi to put in, and apparently they're wrong. Okay. So be continually, be, or be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's going to say, let's see, 528. I think that's a little later. 18, there we go. And do not, yep, that's the one. Who was it? You get a cookie after church. Okay, uh, 518, Ephesians 518. And do not, sorry, sorry, Heidi, it's all me. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And then it describes what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all the things God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. So, um, so that phrase in 518, it'd be like 518b, right? The second half of the verse. Um, it says, do not, or sorry, it says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, or, and, and it contrasts, listen to this, it contrasts being filled with the Holy Spirit, it contrasts that with don't be drunk with wine. Okay, and there's something really interesting there. I probably shouldn't spend too much time on it, but being filled with the Holy Spirit, this is, this is kind of my interpretation, and, I, and I've heard this from you know, other people, like this is, this is pretty solid. Um, being filled with the Holy Spirit is contrasted with drinking because it has a similar substance to it. So if you drink a bunch of alcohol, it changes the way you behave, right? You feel things, right? And in the same way, instead of like getting drunk to feel good, be, feel, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so like there's another verse in Romans uh, that says, um, the love of God does not, or hope does not disappoint for the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Like the first, when I first became a Christian and I saw Christianity happening and people raising their hands and having all this emotional stuff, I'm like, I'm a science teacher, guys. Like, emotions are hard to interpret for me. And so I kind of wondered, is that just emotions, you know? And as I took time to study that and think about that for a couple of years, this verse and also uh, Romans 5-something, uh, that, that the love of God, hope does not disappoint, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Like, there is something emotional there is something spiritual. There is something more than just head knowledge about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is an experience. It is not just an idea. And, and so this, this phrase here, but be filled with the Spirit, um, if you read the Amplified Version, or if you, if you listen to Greek scholars on this, I think I wrote it down here. It's because I don't know anything about English language. It's written in the present imperative tense, which means that it would also be clear to read it, be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's another camp within Christianity, although I don't know a whole lot of people who hold this view, who would say the Holy Spirit is a completely unemotional, um, un, you know, 
I mean, they would, they, they would probably redefine what spiritual means altogether, but it has nothing to do with your emotions. It's not something you feel. The Holy Spirit happens once. When you become a Christian, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's like a stamp that says you're a Christian now. I totally don't subscribe to that point of view. I really believe that when, when a person becomes a Christian, there is sort of an emotional and spiritual. I mean, emotions are just really a portion of what is spiritual, I think. And in our being, our inner man, something changes in us as God pours his spirit inside of us. And now look at this, because I also believe this. I don't believe the Holy Spirit leaves, okay? I didn't put any holes that any lower than that. Because I want you to get the idea, like, you are always filled with the Holy Spirit to some degree as a Christian. But you're not filled to, uh, with the Holy Spirit to full capacity as a Christian. And so there is this need to be refilled or to be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so now I've got five things I want to get through to you. How do we continually be filled with the Holy Spirit? If you can get to a point where you're convinced that the Holy Spirit is more than just a one-time stamp, you're a Christian. If you can get to a point where you believe the Holy Spirit, which I think if you, if you read the New Testament with an open mind, you will come away with an understanding that being filled with the Holy Spirit is more than just a, a one-time thing that happens to you when you're a Christian, uh, but is a continual process of being sanctified. And, and so now I'd like to spend the last 20 minutes or so talking about how do you do it then? Is, there a pro- like, is it completely random? Do you have any control over it happening to you? Uh, when Paul tells the church to be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit... He doesn't really give them, like, by doing these things, you know, but he does give them a lot of things they should do, so it's probably somehow connected there. And so let's, let's look at five things that I think uh, help to foster being filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, so now let's go back to John seven thirty seven, which I think Heidi has it in there now. Beautiful, Heidi. And so this is, this is, I believe, one of the key verses to understanding how can a person be filled with the Holy Spirit like on a regular basis, and really the first time as well. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So, you know, and I... And, and we would have to, so let me, sorry, a lot of thoughts going through the brain here. Um, the Holy Spirit is the drink, okay? And so first step, come to Jesus. There it is right there. You have to go to Jesus to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he who, and, and, and then he says, he who believes in me. So let him come to me, he who believes in me. And so there's this like, okay, these are the same. Coming to Jesus, believing in Jesus, same thing. And so I would argue that the exact process to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to believe in Jesus or to bring yourself mentally, spiritually to Jesus. And Jesus says that out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Oh yeah, so I was like getting stuck in my head here. Like, is this about the Holy Spirit? Next verse so you guys question yourselves constantly like I do. But this spoke concerning the Spirit, right? So by, this is, this is, this is the Trinity, okay? 
you believe in Jesus, you go to Jesus, you believe things that are true about him, or you, you almost experience and appreciate how great he is, and you, and you trust him. The believing is more than just, oh yeah, Jesus existed as a human being. It's, it's somehow a spiritual thing between you and Jesus. And by doing this, you will receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, so key to experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is, is believing things about Jesus or even kind of trusting and depending on Jesus. Okay, that's, that's one. Uh, number two, let's go to John 17, 7 now. So in, the, in the same way, I believe that, you know, this is also the mechanism, uh, so the, the systematic process by which God um, sanctifies us, okay? So this is, this is where the glue gun comes in. Oh, there's a glue gun? There's a glue gun. Okay, so, um, so sanctification, this is, this is another one of the random ideas in my mind. Sanctification is God setting us apart. Let's set the glue gun down for a second. So God is setting us apart throughout our life. So as disappointing as it is that we leak, okay? As disappointing it is, as it is that we leak, there is kind of this hope throughout Scripture that, that we're kind of getting better. And so I'm going to just jump around from what I had. So we're going to go to um, Philippians. This is way at the bottom, Heidi. Philippians 3, 12 through 15. So here's Paul talking to the church in Philippi, and he says, he's talking about life as a Christian. And he says, not that I have already attained it, and he's actually talking about like resurrection from the dead. Um, and he says, not that I've already attained it, like I'm in heaven now, or I am already perfected, right? Like as Christians, there's this hope of what we call sanctification that we're going to get better. Oh, I have this hilarious video. I wish I could play for you. I didn't think of it until just now. Is this old man trying to get on an escalator. Anybody seen this video? Okay, it's this old man on an escalator, and I can't remember all the details, but he's like, starts getting on, and then he changes his mind, and then he falls down, and it starts dragging him, and, and then he's like rolling down a couple times, and then he's slowly going up the escalator. It's hilarious. Look it up. Sanct- and it literally says on the top, sanctification, okay? This is what it is to get to heaven, we commit ourselves to Christ, and then we have second thoughts, and then we're struggling with sin, and then we're tumbling, but it keeps moving up, and eventually we will be perfected in heaven, right? And, and I love what Paul says here, I, I'm not perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended it, but one thing I do Forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And this is how I think of sanctification. And, and this is just completely out of my mind. I don't know if this makes any sense. But I think that God, over the course of our life, he comes in and he goes, Hey, Johnny Olkers, I've noticed this really sinful behavior that you still exhibit as a Christian. And I just want to come in here with a little bit of hot glue. I'm probably going to burn, burn a bigger hole. Oh, you know what? It's hot. I think we're going to be okay. Okay. Just a little bit of glue right there. Okay. And then better plug back in. This is what it's like to be in my science class. 
The, the, you know, when, as a teacher, you don't have the luxury of a whole week to prepare one lesson. You know, you just like, oh, okay, another day teaching today. I left the rest of the glue sticks in the back. Okay, there we go. Come on. Come on, glue stick. This is what it's really like, I think. Here we go. My wife's at home like, I'm so embarrassed by my husband. Okay, there we go. Yeah. And God isn't an idiot with a glue gun like I am. But uh, same idea that for some reason, and I, I don't, like I said, metaphors always break down. For some reason, um, it's, it's not a perfect process. God has decided you're not going to be holy completely until you come to heaven with me. And so I think I mostly got it. All right. Good thing Casey brought that second tray. So then, as we age, and as we grow up in Christ, and as we become more knowledgeable of, about things that are true, and as we develop a sense of the patterns of what it means to be a Christian, I hope my glue gun holes leak a little bit, because there's still wounds there, I think. And, and so God, over the course of our life, will begin to fill us up, Again and again with his spirit. It's not like a one-time thing. It's like, oh, today I'm going to read my Bible when I start the day. Okay? Oh, and then I'm going to go to church and pray with other Christians. You know? And then my kids are going to come home from school. (laughs) Right? And over time, you know, daily you leak. Hey, no offense, kids. You're sanctifying your parents. And look, oh, I like this. There's still one at the bottom, okay? It's like, you know, we're never going to be made perfect. And I bet if we were to look at a couple of these, they're probably, yeah, this one's dripping a little bit, right? Like, oh, yeah, I used to sin so much all the time then, in that way. Now I just drip a little bit of sin, okay? And as Christians, this is our experience. And God, over the course of our life, he sanctifies us. And I think sometimes as Christians, we come back over here and like, God, you know, I know you cleared me up of that but i really enjoy that sin and they start you know we start picking at it and trying to get it to break loose again and so uh in this process of sanctification let's go to john 17 17 god um i think another key component i'm trying to get five things to be filled with the holy spirit number one Look straight at Jesus. You know, I think of Jesus saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Like, you need daily to be continually being filled by going to Jesus on a daily basis, right? And, and going to him in prayer and talking directly to him because you have access to him and the Father. And then, I think another key uh, thing to experience the filling of the Holy Spirit is God's word. How do, how do we be sanctified Further, how do we be made more and more holy? Um, God's word. Jesus says here, God's word is truth. And then also in Romans 2.12, I mean, this, this kind of goes together. So you've got to use the word, and you have to be transformed by it. And so as you are continually, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this, but as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, I believe that God doesn't just make you feel good emotionally, but he also changes the way your brain is thinking about something and one of the one of the times where i remember i was at a retreat and i was being you know we were in worship and we were just like you know kind of like setting apart time to meet with god and i remember 
I was, I was probably, I was married, so I was probably 20, 21 in college, and I remember, like, really still struggling with this concept of the Holy Spirit, like, it's just so weird, you know, like, people raising their hands, and people speaking in tongues, and all these weird things that are associated with it, and, and I remember it's in, uh, it's in Acts chapter 1, and, and God tells Peter, he tells all the, the church or the, the disciples right before his ascension, he says, now go and wait for the Holy Spirit. And um, go and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my disciples and my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. And I remember God, like, I mean, I, I think it was God, I remember, like, I'm worshiping, and people around me are worshiping. I'm like, this is kind of weird. I don't know, God, is this real? And I remember this is one of the few times where I feel like God has, like, kind of super impressed truth on me that did not come from me. And I remember just having this kind of this word, this thought, if the, if the disciples needed the Holy Spirit, the disciples who hung out with Jesus directly, if they needed to wait for the Holy Spirit, how much more do I need the Holy Spirit? And I remember that hit me like, and it, it, it changed my thinking about the Holy Spirit. And also, I believe I was kind of filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment because it was like, whoa, that's powerful. I think that's from God, you know? And it's that renewing of the mind. And so as we go to God, as we, as, I mean, that, God spoke to me. If God spoke to me, it was through his word he spoke to me, Right? And, 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 and it renewed my mind, okay? So the first three, go to God, go to Jesus. God's word is a huge part of it. And then it should be doing something in you that's renewing you, okay? Now, here's another one. Uh, John 17, 22 and 23, Jesus says, he's talking about um, his, his oneness with the Father. So Jesus is sitting there, this is number four on the list. So number one, believe. Number two, the word is involved. Number three, your mind is being renewed. Number four, there's something about being together as the church. And so he says, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. So Jesus received this glory from God the Father, and now he's giving it to them. I think he's probably talking about the Holy Spirit. That they may be one, just as we are one. I and them, you and me. That they may be made, they they may be made perfect in one. And so, as the Holy Spirit is the thing that sort of sanctifies us and renews us and sets us apart, there's something special about the church being together. And I certainly don't think that you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit by yourself, because um, I, I believe I've experienced that, you know. And I believe every day as we as we read God's word and we pray, we get these little doses of the Holy Spirit. But I do believe that there's sort of these bigger outpourings that seem to happen when the church comes together and sets apart time together. And you see that at Pentecost. They were all, and this is in uh, Acts 2.1, they were all in one place together. Um, they were all with one accord in one place, probably praying together, you know, taking time and, and spending an hour worshiping together. We have this, this prayer meeting every other Saturday night that's called The Pulse. And we come together and we pray 
And it's kind of weird, you know, people praying and other people agreeing with them and staring, you know, staring at the back of your eyelids. And, but there's something spiritual in nature about Christians coming together and, and looking to God together that God tends to pour out the Holy Spirit on people. You know, I feel like consistently, I didn't put it in here as an option or as a, 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 one of my five things, but like consistently when I set apart a weekend to go seek God with other men, you know, um, like when we go to, uh, what's that called? The men's muster, you know? And when I was in college, we'd go on retreats like at the end or maybe it was in the middle of, you know, the term. We'd go away to Sun River for a weekend with a bunch of college kids. When you set apart time, like, like a large chunk of time, like a weekend, and just day after day you're going and learning about God and you're praying together and you're talking about it, that's when God really moves, and fills you up. Um, and then I'd like to look at one more option. So kind of four things that I think are very connected and in tune with like, how do we get God to actually pour his spirit out in us? And then I think, I think I'd like to look at the inverse on this last one. What are the things that would cause the exact opposite to happen? Okay. And so let's look at, um, first Thessalonians five twenty three, and, uh, I probably put the wrong thing in again. Yeah, I think this is right. So may the God of peace himself. So th- this is a little chunk of text that has this really interesting phrase in it. Quench the spirit. Okay, so the spirit can be considered like water. He can also be like a fire. And so you can like put out the fire of the spirit. So let's read this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep going there. Did I only give you one verse? I did. Uh, like five verses. Sorry. Is it? <laughs> I'm such a space case. <laughs> Not allowed to tell you why I'm a little unprepared. Okay. Um, okay, I'll just read it to you unless Heidi's getting it. Okay, so verse 19. Um. Yeah, so I was actually 12. I'm going to read you 12 through 22. I don't know where I got 23 from. It's been a, it's been a day. Uh, and we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you. And No, verse 14. All right, here we go. Now we exhort you, brethren. Warn those who are unruly. Uh, comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak and be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and suggest to you all of these things that he's telling them not to do are probably the things that mean quench the spirit. See that no one renders evil for evil. Um, always pursue what is good. That's probably a good thing. Rejoice always. That's probably a good thing. So if you did the opposite, right? Complain constantly about Kate Brown and coronavirus. That'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. I don't think that would fill me with the Holy Spirit. Pray without ceasing. So prayer, that probably should be on the list, right? Pray, that's going to Jesus. And everything be thankful. Uh, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then he says, don't quench the Spirit. Like, don't do these evil things that make the Holy Spirit leave. Okay? And, um, and then it gets really spiritual. Don't hate prophecies. I mean, this is getting funky, okay? You're at the prayer meeting Saturday night, and someone, 
Like in Corvallis, we did the, the, this was a much more common thing. Be like, oh, I have this, I have this vision of a fountain, and they start telling all these stories about all this. You're like, what is this person talking about? You know, like that. That's totally me. Like, oh, come on. Like, God told you all that stuff about that weird fountain in the rocks and moving the rocks and all blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, this is how it worked in New Testament Christianity. People would, would say, hey, I think the Lord is telling me this. Hey, I have this vision of this. Hey, I had this dream. And don't be that guy who's Mr. Skeptical and who just wants to say, that's totally not from God. But be open to what God might be saying or doing. But then also, test all things and hold fast to what is good. And I think that's a really good just place to be as Christians. Like, hey, I'm not God. I don't get to put God in a little box and say this is the only way that he works, right? But I'm going to test anything anybody says about God, and I'm going to use this as the test, right? But there's a root that we can give room to the Holy Spirit to move and, and speak and do weird things that, like, take people out of their comfort zone. And he might fill us with his spirit in those moments, Cool. Um, so last thing I want to show you, let's read that uh, Philippians 3, 12 through 15 again. And uh, Weston, my man, come on up. And so how does this sanctification process work? I mean, I kind of already got to it, but guys, like as Christians, we don't have to live our lives in this state, okay? So like we don't have to be like, yeah, I was a Christian. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then life took over, and I'm just like so drained right now, and now I'm a Christian, and this is how I'm going to live as a Christian for the rest of my life, not filled with the Holy Spirit, complaining about Kate Brown and coronavirus, you know, trying to get a bigger house and a nicer car, and just being a human who has no joy, <laughs> right? Like, that's, that's totally like me right now, like, this is, this is why this is the word for the church, this is the word for Johnny Olkers, like... I run a soccer program and a school, and now I'm, you know, it's like if we depend on ourselves and our own strength, we're just running around like on empty all the time, right? But if we, if we remember who God is and how it works being a Christian, one more time, we go back to God and we get filled up. And as we leak every day, we keep filling up, going back for more, reading the Bible every morning. And pretty soon we can live a Christian life where we're two-thirds full. Yes, or maybe even all the... I'm out of water. I don't know. Okay. Um, And so, like Paul said, we haven't attained it yet. We're not there. We're not perfect. But press on. Do the things that fill you with the Holy Spirit. Go back to God. Read the Bible. Pray. Meet with other Christians. Don't do things that quench the Holy Spirit. And continually be filled with with the Holy Spirit, and be overflowing into other people, right? Like, that is what our Christian experience is supposed to look like. And um, I have no idea what 2 Timothy 2.21 says, but I wanted to talk about it, so let's see what it says. I bet it'll be great. Oh, this is good. This is good. So, what, what does it take, like, what does it take to really be used by God? Do you think the empty vessel gets used by God? Check this out. If anyone cleanses himself from all this bad stuff I just talked about, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master. What if you're so full of the Holy Spirit 
that God's like, you know what? I got this other Christian who's just so in need of, of something right now. And I'm just going to pour you out, Johnny. And then I know you're going to go back home. You're going to read your Bible. You're going fill, to get filled with the Holy Spirit again. And the next day, same thing. And like, let's be like, you know, like I said, down here, the only thing you're good for is chasing the American dream. Okay. But if you're full of the Holy Spirit, God will use you and pour you into other people that they could experience God's love and God's peace and God's sanctifying work. Amen. All right, I'm going to pick up a guitar. Let's take a little time. I don't think I taught for too long. Let's take a little time, just one extra song, and let's just cry out for God's spirit, okay? Like, God, fix our eyes on you. God, we're here together with one accord. We're praying through songs and hymns and spiritual songs. God, fill us with your spirit. Give us what we need, God, to go back into the world and be poured out for your kingdom.